Well, welcome again, everyone, to our Coffee with Jesus podcast. I hope that wherever, whenever you are listening to this, whoever you're listening to this well, that you are well, that uh, you are seeing God do incredible things in <clears throat> and through your life. As always, this is just a time, 10, 15, 20 minutes, just to grab a cup of coffee, cup of tea, maybe some hot chocolates, and uh, let's just press into Jesus together. Uh, let's, just, let's just push into his presence and have a cup of coffee with him. So again, if you need to pause this, go grab some coffee, tea, there's no judgment here. Um, but today what I want to talk about is the value of checking the oil. Uh, and so the title for today's podcast is Checking the Oil. Uh, the reason I want to say this is because of a, an experience uh, I had uh, when I was a lot younger. When I was transitioning from studying from engineering to theology, I spent a year as a lab technician in two labs. And one of those labs was the oil lab that tested the oil from the different transformers in different power stations across South Africa. Whenever something went wrong in a power station, the first thing they would do is test the oil from the transformer that there was a problem with. Because often, the problem with the transformer would manifest in the oil. So often at all times of the day and night, I would be called out to test oil samples that had been driven to our lab from all over the country because something was going wrong. And I would have a whole bunch of tests to do and I would run to analyze different things in the oil to give me a picture, not of the oil, but of what was going on in the transformer. The oil is checked to diagnose the problem in the transformer. I learned in that season that there is value in checking the oil because you can look at the oil and see what is wrong with something else without having to turn off the whole power station. It gives you a clue about the health of the transformer without having to take drastic measures. And again, you don't just check um, when something goes wrong. I was in that space where I was on call, so I would just check the emergencies. But oil would come to our lab throughout the year of people checking the health of their transformers. So checking the oil is good when something uh, goes wrong, but checking the oil is also good systematically through the year to make sure that the transformer is healthy. Now, I don't know if this is the same for you, but often in my life, I will go through things, I will experience something, I'll see something, and, and, I, and it so clearly points to something spiritual. It's so clearly more than just the natural. And, and so in this episode together, I want us to learn to check our oil so that we don't have to stop living, we don't have to crash, we don't have to push pause on everything. And, and I want us to, to learn how to check our oil systematically and when things go wrong to see what the health of our heart and soul is. So firstly, the question is, what is oil in our lives? And for today, I mean, we, we could use this analogy for so many things. But for today, I'm going to say that the oil in our lives represents our words here is the thing. In, in Matthew, we read that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. James speaks about taming the tongue because it can derail us completely. Our words are a great indicator of the health of our souls. And so today I'm going to give you three tests <clears throat> to help you check the oil of your words to see if there's anything wrong going on beneath the surface. So I'm going to look at three tests that I used to do in the lab, and I'm going to kind of use the metaphor, extend the metaphor for our words. The first test, one of the tests I would used to do is a poor point test, a poor point test. Now, part of the role of the oil is to insulate in, and in colder climates, often this can be lessened. Uh, sometimes you've got a power station in like zero degrees or, or, or those incredible minuses. And, and sometimes what happens is the fluidity of the oil can be lessened because it's in extreme conditions. 
In other words, in extreme conditions, is the oil still doing what the oil is supposed to be doing? So for us, let us ask, are our words still doing what they are supposed to be doing when they are in harsh conditions? When we are surrounded by people who are gossiping, are our words still full of grace? When we are surrounded by conversation of complaining, are our words still words of hope and encouragement? As, as followers of Jesus, we need to recapture the theology of hope. We know that, that he has already won the victory and we are in between the victory on the cross and the ultimate victory in Revelation. And so we have a theology of hope. Do people sense hope in our words even when everyone else is complaining? When we are in a situation where the atmosphere is decidedly anti-church or anti-Jesus or, or, or anti-anything about God, are our words still words of worship? Are our words still words of worship? When people are using their words to bring down a specific people group, when there's racism or prejudice or sexism or ageism in the conversation around us, are we still speaking words of love, words of inclusivity? When the situation is harsh, when conditions are harsh, are our words still doing what they should be doing? None of us live in a world of easy conditions. None of us are immune from negative circumstances. And so the question is, in harsh conditions, do our words still reflect the words of Jesus? If not, if, you can, if you're taking an honest look in your life right now and you know that when the situation gets tough, when circumstances get harsh, that your words do not reflect the words of Jesus, then perhaps there's something more going undercover. Perhaps you need to look at your integrity. Perhaps there's a, 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 a problem with your conviction. Perhaps your worship has become stale. Perhaps there's something else that I haven't even thought of. But when our words aren't doing what they are supposed to be doing in harsh conditions, we need to ask what's going on below the surface. So number one, the test is a poor point test. Number two is a moisture content test. I know this might sound weird, but the second test that we often did was, was to measure the water in the oil. And there, there was a number of ways we did that. But the reason this is important is because sometimes in a transformer, water can seep into the oil. And the more water that gets in the oil, the more diluted the oil becomes and the less it is able to do its job, the less it can insulate properly, the less it can contain properly. And so it's very important to measure how much water has seeped into the oil. So let me ask you this question. If oil dilute, is diluted by water, what is diluting your words? What can you see that is creeping into your words that is diluting your vocabulary so that your words aren't able to be effective in communication? Your words, again, are not doing what they are supposed to be doing. What's crept into your language? What, what phrases? What words? What vocabulary? Maybe, maybe you always used to be really good at, at keeping your speech pure, but just recently you've, you've adopted some phrases or, or some words that you know are not exactly in line with what you believe. And I, and I think it's not just certain phrases and words, but we can allow other things to dilute what our words are supposed to be doing. Dilute the grace, dilute the love, dilute the hope of our words. And so, so here's a couple of ideas. No, number one, you might have allowed offense to creep in and, and the offense you're harboring is actually causing your words to become harsh. Perhaps you've allowed unforgiveness. And as you allow unforgiveness to dilute your words, you, you realize that, hey, grace is no longer part of my tone, part of my vocabulary. Perhaps it's something as 
seemingly innocent as sarcasm. You've allowed sarcasm to dilute your words. These things can dilute what we say. They can fill our conversations to the point where all you can do is tell people about who did what to you and why you are right or, or why, you know, this is funny. Offense, unforgiveness, sarcasm makes it very hard to praise Jesus because you have an issue with someone he loves. Think about that. It's difficult to praise Jesus in spirit and truth when we have an issue with someone whom that God has created. Just because you have an issue with someone he loves doesn't mean you can allow that to taint your words. Having an offense or harboring unforgiveness limits how much grace and peace we can communicate. If we detect these things in our speech, then maybe it might be pointing to a victim mentality or it may be revealing a judgmental heart or something else. It may be, it may be revealing insecurity. And if we ignore the dilution of our words, we ignore actually what's going on in our hearts and minds. And it, continu it can continue to dilute and degrade until the point where our words have no more ability to communicate what God wants them to. And so test one is the poor point test. Test two is the moisture content. And then the last test I want to speak about today is uh, the test for impurities. One of the best things we did in the oil lab that, that I used to love was put the oil into a ZRF spectrometer. I think that's what it's called. It, it would spin the oil around and analyze anything that it found in the oil that wasn't oil. In other words, this was a test for what had crept in the tiny things. This revealed little things in the oil that wasn't supposed to be there. This is not the water that diluted the, the oil. These were the tiny little things, the, the below the surface, the things that if you looked at the oil, you would never say there's anything wrong. And what tiny things, what impurities have we allowed to come into our words? What, what, what titles do we use to reference people? What things do we use to... to make people laugh or, or, or perhaps we repeat what we see on television or lines from songs that we that are funny but don't honor God. I love this one because the way I test my speech is by listening to my kids because often the things I hear coming out of their mouths is simply a repeat of what they've heard me say. When I get cross at what they just said, more often than not, I have to bite my tongue because I have said it before them. They are simply repeating what I have said and kids, we know, children will do what you do, not just what you say. And so when they say something that, that hey, it, it, it puts the hair on the back of my neck up or, or I know instinctively, hey, that's not a great thing to say or that's not a great phrase, that's not a good word, I have to ask myself, did they hear that originally from me? Do those small impurities that I see in my kids, did they pick that impurity up from me? And, and one of the great ways of testing whether there are impurities in our speech is listening not just to the children, but listening to the people who look up to you. Who, who look to you for leadership, perhaps, or guidance or support. Perhaps it's just people who you influence. And, and, and perhaps they start speaking the way you speak. And so listening to what they say is an incredible way of testing, are there any impurities in my speech? Again, what, you know, the, the, the small things that, that hamper our, our speech, those small impurities can be so, like the, 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 the range is vast. And, and we could start talking about, you know, swear words, profanities, uh, sexual innuendo, all these kind of things. And, and sometimes the small things can fly under the radar. And sometimes they can even be celebrated. We can laugh at someone's 
impurities, a, a comedian's impurities. And, and often we can be prejudiced towards a specific people group or people type. And everyone in the circle that we are with agrees with. And so everyone laughs and everyone kind of celebrates the impurities. But again, if you're going to communicate grace, love, hope, then we, then we need to be very aware of the impurities that have come in. If, if you are seeing purities like innuendo, like profanity, all of these kind of things, insults that are meant to be joking, but there's a bit of a harsh tone to them. Perhaps if this has in, it be, been the impurities in your speech, then perhaps we need to understand that there's a desire in our hearts to be accepted by community because we haven't understood the acceptance of our Father. Perhaps we're so desperate to fit in that we will even allow impurities into our words because we love it when people laugh at our jokes. We love it at pe when people celebrate us. And so even if we have to use impurities to be celebrated, we'll do that. And yet the story of the prodigal son is that even when we run away, even when we are not just have one or two impurities within us, but even when we are drenched in uncleanliness, there is still a father waiting with open arms, not just to welcome us, but to celebrate us. He's, well, he's ready to throw a party. He's ready to tell everyone, my son has returned. And so while we might be doing what we can to be accepted and celebrated by the world and culture, we have a father who says, I accept you. I celebrate you, not for what you do, not for what you say, but for whose you are and you are mine. Come put on the robe, put on the ring, get new sandals, let the stench of the world, let the stench of the culture that you've been trying to appease, let it wash away and welcome home. So today, in the last few moments, can I ask you, what, what do you say when the pressure is on? When the circumstance is harsh, what do you say? What, what is diluting your speech? What, what is it that's, that's bringing the, the, the effectiveness of your speech down? And thirdly, what are the impurities in your vocabulary? So what do you say when the pressure's on? What is diluting your speech? And what are the impurities in your vocabulary? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can only say what we have already thought, already felt. And so today I want to encourage you, test your words, test your speech. Allow these three tests to be an evaluative tool. I, I pray that you don't feel condemned by this. I pray that you don't feel not worthy because of this, but I pray that these three tests would, would illuminate those parts of your life where you might be able to go, hey, my words are saying this, so perhaps there's something going on beneath the surface. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do business with us and not just on the surface, but you would go deep with each and every single one of us. I pray that this has helped you and this has inspired you to, to, to listen to your own speech. Have an amazing rest of your day and week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week for our Coffee with Jesus devotional.